0: And that's where we find ourselves here on the the road to Emmaus and this incredible uh, encounter that Cleopas and we don't know who the other disciple is. It might be his wife, Mary. It uh, could just be a friend. Uh, We don't know. But these two disciples, not part of the 11 that are uh, left at this point, but uh, part of the larger group, they have this amazing encounter with Jesus. Finishing off with this reveal, this great reveal, right? Right. I when I was younger one of my favorite shows was uh TV's bloopers and practical jokes um you know back when you didn't have uh YouTube to just go find all the bloopers and those kind of things you can you can find The Office like every season has like 10 minutes of bloopers I, I've watched them all but uh you know it, it, it Back when I was a boy. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, you just got what you got on TV. And they had, they had brought together some clips and bloopers. But one of the things that they had as a part of the show, uh, and I, I, I'm, my, I'm old and so my memory might fail me. But I, I, I'm almost positive it was this show where they would have stars surprise some of their fans. They would uh, do these, uh, these encounters with fans and people that they adored. And, and we see that. Again, you can find all kinds of clips on YouTube now uh, with those kind of things. There's one person who does it regularly is Jimmy Fallon. And he he will uh, either at his studio or like down in Universal Studios, he'll do these things where he's hiding and he'll show up and with famous people. And so there's one where he and Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, are dressed as themselves with these big mascot heads on that are like a Dwayne Johnson mascot head and Jimmy Fallon mascot head, and uh, they're posing for pictures, and then they're like, oh, did we get that right? And they take off their mascot head, and it's actually them, right? There's one guy who gets really emotional uh, when he sees that it's actually Dwayne Johnson, and he's like, oh my goodness, you have been my hero since I was five. And then he shows, he's got this huge Dwayne Johnson tattoo on his leg, (laughs) and he starts to go like this, I think to show another one, and he's like, maybe not, I'm not going to show that one right now. But like he's meeting his hero, and uh, it's, it's really – I love watching those. They're really fun. I, I mean, I want them to sit down and uh, have a meal, right, not just take a few pictures. I, I want more to happen in those scenarios. But they're, they're fascinating, uh, and I love the reveals. You know, they're taking off the head. Did we get that picture right? Oh, my goodness, it's them. Well, here we have I, – I would, I would call it the ultimate reveal, right? Uh, they, they have not been able to see and understand who Jesus is. And there's this moment where they're breaking bread. It's not just a hero, right? It's not just some, I mean, it is the creator of the universe, the Christ, the Messiah, the one who has just risen from the dead, and he reveals himself to Cleopas and the other disciple. He reveals himself in all of his resurrected power, his presence right there with them and 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 there's certainly a sense in which i long for like to, to be in this exact scenario and that's not exactly what we experience and yet and yet i think there is a promise of jesus meeting us the resurrected jesus meeting us and we're going to we're going to look at the three points are the the when the how, the where and the how and, and the when is in our circumstances and basically, in anything that we're experiencing, and then the, the how, I'm sorry, the where is through his means that he has ordained, and the how is with his power. So let me pray for us, and we'll take a, take a look at Jesus meeting us. Lord, we do pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to you and to your presence. Come to us through your word, through your spirit, that we might experience you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. The first thing that we see is when Jesus meets us; He meets us in our circumstances, and we actually see even with these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, we see them experiencing multiple things and Jesus meeting them there. The first, uh, I think, that we see is the sadness that they're experiencing. So Jesus has this interaction with them, and He says, "You know what's going on here?" He says, "What is this conversation you're holding with each of you, which with each other as you walk?" And they stood still, looking sad. I think it's probably an understatement. Here are folks that had followed Jesus. They had, they'll tell us later, that they put their hopes in him. They they had been in relationship with him. And then they had had to watch as he was tortured and killed in the most horrible way possible. I, I think to say that they, they stood still and looked sad is probably an understatement. They are lamenting that things are not the way that they're supposed to be. They are lamenting that death exists. They are lamenting the fact that injustice exists. They are sitting in a, a great deal of sadness in this moment. And, and they don't have hope. Is At this moment, they don't understand what's going on which I think is is helpful for us to remember. Uh, Gerhardus Voss, the theologian, says that we consider Jesus' death so as to consider the resurrection the only possibility. We have grown up knowing the story, many of us, or we've heard it enough just in our culture around us that when we come to the cross, when we come to death, when we come to the lamenting, the only possibility that we understand is resurrection because we know the story. We know the rest, right? Even before Easter Sunday, we know that Jesus rises from the dead. We know that's the story. But there is an invitation for us to put ourselves in the position of uh, these disciples for a couple of reasons. One is that I think we want to be able to switch from the lamenting to the joy that they experience. So we want to try to put ourselves in that position. But we also want to recognize that when we're in mourning and lamenting and sadness, even when we don't see... The resurrection, when we don't see the hope, it is still there. So that we would be reminded of that in our experience of sadness. Knowing that He meets us in that moment. And partly because He has just suffered tremendously. He is not an aloof, distant God. He is a God who has experienced suffering and sadness Himself. The loss of friends, the experience of the brokenness and injustice of the world. He has experienced it by His own decision by his own choice, because he loved us and cared for us, and he entered into this prospect of experiencing that injustice, that brokenness, that suffering himself, so that he is able to meet us in our sadness, so that he is able to meet us in the things that we experience that are not as they are supposed to be. And we could all spend a lot of time thinking about all the ways in which we have experienced the world as it is not supposed to be, all the reasons that we have to be sad. And it could be the loss of a good friend as they've experienced. It could be the experience of injustice that Jesus has just experienced, that they observed. It could be that we've been hurt by someone, by uh, all kinds of things, by experiences that things are not going as we expected them to go. That not only are we sad, but that we had hoped for something so much more. Because not only are they just experiencing the sadness, they've had their hopes Dashed The thing that they knew was going to happen, the thing that they had hoped in, they have put that aside. They, they feel like it has been dashed. Verse 21, they are explaining the story to them. They, they're explaining what's happened to Jesus, what's just happened to him, when they don't realize it's him. It says, we, verse 21, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. They had hope. They they put that aside. That hope has been dashed because they don't understand who it is with them. They do not understand who Jesus is. And so their hopes have been dashed because they don't have the the wisdom to understand actually what has already happened, but also what is to come. And so in the midst of those dashed hopes, Jesus meets them on this road. We wish uh, that this would, wouldn't have happened in this way, right? That he had given all of these promises uh, and that his promises often come in suffering. That's part of the reason that they don't understand what's going on here. So that when he calls them out in verse 25, oh foolish ones, oh slow of heart to believe, he goes verse 26, was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? That, this idea that, that suffering shouldn't be a part of the story, right? That it shouldn't be in our sadness that he needs to meet us. And, and yet, again and again and again, what we see is that that's actually primarily where Jesus meets us, in our weakness and our suffering. That that is more often than not the place where we experience him in a deep way. That is the, the way that he is his often works. And we wish that it weren't the case. We, we would love if the promises of God had always come through our success, through things going really well, and yet... That is not the way that he, he works. He's set forward this cross-centered life where he himself has suffered and died and he calls us ourselves to take up our cross daily and follow him, to experience that suffering ourselves. And, and if we were to go around the room, we could have that opportunity to share all the ways in which we experience the world as it's not supposed to be, all the things that we lament, all the things that calls us sadness. We could also share our stories of experiencing the Lord. And the large majority of them would come in suffering. They would come in difficult times. I I think about uh, many of you, it's been a while since I've talked about the the big nap, but many of you know, if you're newer, I was uh, in the hospital for three months when I was uh, a junior in college and wasn't supposed to make it. And my parents would tell you now, even part of their story, is the Lord meeting them in that time when they were living in the Ronald McDonald house, nine hours away from home, going home multiple nights expecting to hear that I hadn't made it. I, I refer to it as the big nap. I slept through most of it, so I didn't experience even the most difficult parts. My, my parents and friends experienced that more than I did. And so they'll tell you in the midst of that, that that suffering and that, uh, that heartache that they experienced, that they experienced the Lord and his presence in profound ways. And, and I think that we would all have stories Similar to that of the, the Lord, if we are followers of Jesus, the Lord meeting us in times of difficulty. Now, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, and, and you have questions and doubts. We see as well that the Lord meets us in our doubts. Verse 22 through 24, one of the things that these disciples do is they tell Jesus the testimony of the women who went to the tomb and found it empty, and said that they had had a vision. They had had an angel tell them that he was alive. And yet they don't believe that that's true. They're full of doubts. They doubt that story. They doubt it. It's clear because they said we had hoped. If they believed the story, then then they wouldn't have said we had hoped. They would have been telling of the resurrected Lord. That would be where they started, right? But that's the case for we all deal with doubts about who he is. We deal with doubts about the resurrection. Is this a real story? Did, did Jesus, who was God, become a man and suffer and die? Did he rise from the dead? Is that something that we actually believe? To be clear, we gather as a church because we believe that that is a real historic event that it actually happened. And we believe that Jesus meets us even when we have doubts and questions about that. And there are lots of conversations that we could have about why we believe that that's something that really happened, that is really true and has deep implications for all of life. But we all, whether we're followers of Jesus or not followers of Jesus, we all have some level of doubt. And in the midst of that, Jesus meets with us and walks with us. Finally, we see the, the, the last place, at least in this particular story where Jesus meets us, is in the midst of rejoicing even. So there is this moment of Jesus revealing himself at the meal that they share together in Emmaus. And, uh, and they acknowledge that something significant has happened here. In verse 32, they turn to one another and they say, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And then they're so excited about it. They've taken this journey to Emmaus. It it, it would have uh, not been as easy as driving seven miles as they walk through uh, these, uh, at at this time, walk these seven miles. They immediately, they, they get up in that very hour and they return to Jerusalem so they could tell everybody. They are excited. They are rejoicing in what has happened. So at the very end of this passage in verse 35, they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread, and they rushed back to tell them that in this midst of rejoicing and celebrating, they experienced the presence of of Jesus as well. So he meets us in whatever our circumstances are. There's nowhere that he will not meet us, nowhere that we will not be able to experience the presence of the Lord the presence of Jesus himself. So where does he meet us? What are his means? How does he do that? This, this passage doesn't exhaust all the ways in which he meets us. It doesn't speak specifically to prayer and our experience of the presence of Jesus in prayer. It doesn't speak specifically to our experience of knowing and encountering Jesus with the body of Christ, with one another, in corporate worship and uh, in those relationships but there are a few things that it's fairly evident about his presence with us uh, as he walks with these disciples we don't experience the physical presence of him but what he has given us is the promise of another a helper the holy spirit that he promises john chapter 14 through 16 give a lot of promises about the holy spirit jesus saying that when i go There's another who's going to come, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who's going to come and be present with you. John 14, verse 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That the Holy Spirit will meet. And that's in the suffering. That's in the joy. The Holy Spirit is a promise of the presence of God. Spiritually experienced, not physically, but spiritually uh, experienced in, uh, as a promise from the Lord. That is one of the ways that we uh, experience his presence. The other way that we see it very clearly here is in the scriptures, verse 27, this incredibly significant passage in, where Jesus says that all of scripture is about him. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, which is essentially, that's the Old Testament. The Old Testament, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. What is he saying here? He's saying the whole story, the story of God from Genesis to the end. We, we know clearly that the New Testament was about Jesus as well. But he's saying, it's all about me. This is where you experience me, in the word of God. And this is a theme that we find in the Old and the New Testament, even the idea of the word of God, the word which he uses to create the world, to create the universe, that word is something that is powerful, that he has used to reveal himself again and again through the law, through, his, through the prophets. He is revealing himself. And then we see that the, the word, John 1, that was in the beginning, the word was God that it becomes flesh and dwells among us, that Jesus himself is described as the word. There's this beautiful picture of the scripture, this mystery of the connection between Jesus and the scripture and that he reveals himself there. He has given us his word that we might experience his presence. This is just core and central to the way that we experience him. And there's an encouragement, there's a very clear application that We then read the word. I mean, we're experiencing it preached right now, but we experience the word. We are able to read it ourselves. Uh, We have, starting next week, uh, new daily prayer guides. They're out there on the table. If you want somewhere just to start, where do I start in reading the word? Grab one of those, and it will give every day different passages to read. If you want something even simpler, read through a psalm every day. Read through the book of John. Experience the presence of God in his word. This is, this is central here, but it is, it is clear throughout scripture that this is, that this is the case. And, and, and the reality is that uh, this is a hope that he has given us again and again, that this word is powerful for us because we meet him. So we, we meet him through his Holy Spirit. We meet him through the word. And then we see this picture, I think this really encouraging, beautiful picture of God revealing himself and, and what is on some level a really mundane experience. He's walked with them, he's had this journey, and then they sit down for a meal. And in verse 30, when he was at the table with them, again, experiencing this meal, something that happens two or three times every day, the mundane he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And, and there's some language here that uh, could, could point to the Lord's Supper, the table that we experience every week. It doesn't seem that Luke uh, clearly has that in mind. It seems it's more just this meal. There is a, a, an overlap. There's a reason that he gives us a meal, this mundane thing to picture the presence of God with us. But here they're experiencing this meal and it's in that moment their eyes were opened and they recognized him. In this mundane experience of sharing a meal together, he reveals himself. I think there's, there's hope there that we experience him in just the mundane of life In the regular ordinary things that we experience. Jesus reveals himself. And it could be the ordinary practice of, of reading the word. It could be the ordinary practice of, of, of praying, of looking for the Holy Spirit that we would experience his presence, and he is promising us that that is available for us. In the midst of our doubt and our sadness and all of those things, he is promising himself, and that he he comes, last point, how does he come? He comes with power. He comes with great power. The resurrection is real and powerful, And, and I think it's helpful to note that It is real and powerful, even before they realize it. So they're walking with him. They're telling the story of his death. They're sitting in the midst of the sadness. And yet he has already risen from the dead. They just don't know it yet. This is often our experience of the Lord. His power is real and true. His resurrection is real and true, even before we acknowledge it, even before we realize it. It is true regardless. And it is available for us regardless. Regardless. Now, sometimes that means that his revelation of himself or our experience of it or our acknowledgement of it uh, is longer than we would like it to be. We're sitting in the sadness or the suffering, sometimes longer than we wish before we see the presence of God for us. We, We admittedly, I admittedly wish that sometimes it were a bit clearer. And yet the promise and the hope is still sure. It is still certain that the resurrection actually matters. And we, we could talk about the fact that the resurrection of Jesus that has already happened points to our own resurrection to come, when all things will be made right, when he will not only redeem us and forgive us, but if we look back at the catechism question from today, that he is, he is redeeming all of creation. And that is a promise of his presence and what is to come. He comes with his power, his power that has conquered death, his resurrection promises And it is the power of the truth of what is going on in this world. The power of him giving his presence all throughout scripture. Jesus is saying he is the fulfillment of that. Again, verse 27, he talks about the fact that it's all about him. And the theme that we find starting in Genesis and going through to Revelation is that God is all about presence with his people. I, I, I think for me, uh, the preaching through Leviticus was really helpful just for my own heart and soul as this reminder of these things that sometimes feel distant, they feel unrelated, were a reminder that the reason that he gave the Levitical laws was so that his, he could be present with his people. That was what it was all about. God being present with his people. And we talked about a couple of weeks ago That in the temple, when Jesus died, the curtain was ripped in two. That divider between the people of God and the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies that represented the presence of God. Jesus tore that down. He allowed us in, in new and greater ways access to his presence. And so we see that Jesus is the fulfillment of this work that God has been doing since the fall to redeem what was broken to fix those things that we lament, those things that we recognize are not right with this world. Jesus is working to fix those in order that we might be with him, that he would be our God, that we would be his people. And we look forward to that ultimate and final day when resurrection happens for all of us. When the new heavens come to the new earth and they establish all things, right? All things are made right. When he says, I will be with you as your God and you will be my people. And there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more death for the former things have passed away. The presence of God in a new and real way, this is leading to that. It's all about experiencing the presence of God. This is the promise that comes. This is what the resurrection means for us. This is what it meant for Cleopas and the other disciple. This is what it means for us today, that the presence of God, no matter what we're experiencing, is available for us. Let's pray.